Welcome to the Others and Brothers Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. Together, we We are are the Marsh Brothers. Hey, it's your co-host Sam Marsh. Hope everyone's February is off to a great start as we near Super Bowl Sunday and Valentine's Day. Uh, If you're needing something to watch besides the Super Bowl this weekend, I highly recommend checking out Paul T. Goldman on Peacock. Jason Wolnier directs this show that is a Frankenstein monster mashup of Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal, uh, True Memoirs of an International Assassin starring Kevin James and Borat, which does make sense since Jason directed the sequel to Borat. You'll be laughing and cringing the whole time. Guaranteed you'll end up enjoying it. Uh, and other news, the Marsh Bros will be going on this road, the road this weekend down to Austin as Jake competes in the Best Masters Water Polo National Tournament outside, of course, Nationals. Uh, so make sure you show them your support. We got a great episode for y'all today. We're joined by Andrew Lesnovich and Danny Jenkins, aka O Town, and Dr. J. Uh, first connecting through the high school and middle school water polo scene, we all became lifetime friends after going to MSU together. Danny is a 32 year old avid Pistons fan and analytics professional from Columbus, Ohio. He has a bachelor's in psychology from Michigan State and a master's in industrial and organizational psychology from Wright State University. He has taught and published on advanced statistical methods and organizational hiring practices, which have frustratingly combined to give him zero meaningful advantage in fantasy basketball. <laughs> Uh, Andrew's a 34-year-old father of two residing in East Lansing, Michigan. He's a franchise business consultant that moonlights as a water polo coach and dabbles in executive coaching as well. He's an avid sports fan with a fantasy basketball problem where he absolutely has no idea what he's doing, although he was able to swindle trades from pretty much every league he's been in this year. Uh, Yet he somehow manages to amass tremendous amounts of talent only to fall short of the title pretty much every year. Just don't tell his wife. As far as she knows, he dominates every year in every league and reinvests those winnings into window coverings and other household goods. (laughs) Kick back, relax, and enjoy the episode today as you learn a little bit more about the NBA trade deadline. To the Brothers and Others podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And your co-host Jacob Marsh. We got a great treat for you today. We got Andrew Lesnovich and Danny Jenkins on the pod. What's up, fellas? Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We what are up, doing Joe, gentlemen? Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's always our pleasure. Thank you guys, man. Thank you for coming out. We appreciate it. I know. Yeah, it's we... pretty cool. This is uh, my first pod experience, so you guys are uh, setting milestones in my life right now. Popping cherries, son. Like yeah. yeah. Doctor J and O Town in the house. Your podcast V cards. I like it. Yeah, dude. That's it's so fitting that the Marsh Brothers are popping our podcast cherries. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. It is. Always we our pleasure. You guys, this time. Well, it's pretty crazy because when I wanted to get you guys together to talk the NBA trade trade deadline, I was really thinking the Kyrie one was going to be the centerpiece, but 
man, that Suns trade with KD, I mean, that's like the biggest trade out of them all easily. But, I mean, that automatically puts them right at the top for the West, don't you think, or no? I mean, I personally, uh, I think it absolutely puts them in the conversation, largely because the Suns were already in the conversation. Um, so yeah, I mean, you add KD, a guy like KD, you're, you're going to be up there. Um, and, and my thing from this one, Sam, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. The Nets just finally, finally restocked. They got by, back four firsts that they threw away in 2013 when they traded for KD and Paul Pierce. So to me, it's also like good for them. I thought they were completely inept. So I'm kind of happy to see that, see, see them get, get some more, uh, draft capital if you will yeah well do you think they could have gotten a better deal anywhere else though no definitively no danny what do you think we're talking about the nets sorry mine cut out for a sec there nets the Nets suns trade i mean you could convince me that they could have gotten a better return for Kyrie, uh just because you know, that was kind of like the Leroy Jenkins of this whole thing. So I'm sure that, like, plenty of people were, would have jumped at the opportunity as soon as he dropped that bomb. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think for the Nets, part of it was just that, like, they were, I mean, understandably pissed. <laughs> like, they put this team together. You know, they bring in these two stars. They cater to them left and right. They fire a coach. They, you know, restructure the team around them. They, they gave up what I thought was a, a phenomenal, well, maybe not phenomenal, but a great young core, you know, that they had before the Kevin Durant signing. Um, and so, you know, Kyrie misses all of last year for the vaccine issue. Then this year he's got, you know, some new bullshit on his, on his act and stuff like that. And then he's finally playing and like comes up on the trade deadline. And I, I guess this is a lot about like his extension, right? Like he wanted the, the money sort of given into him in that moment. And, and that's why yeah. he requested the trade. Yeah. yeah that's so as far as I, I you know, for them. For them, I kind of understand, like, once he, you know, pulls the plug on, on like, this very tenuous situation they were keeping together, like, they're not they're not going to want to, like, deliver his dream to him. So, you know, if he was like, I want to go to L.A., and maybe L.A. could have offered, you know, more picks or more relevant players or something like that than Dorian Finney-Smith and, uh, uh, shoot, I'm already blanking on it. Who was the, uh, oh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, yeah, you know, Dinwiddie. Like, Maybe they could have gotten a little bit more there. I don't know. But either way, I, I think the goal was kind of like, let's not let's not pander to this guy anymore. And so, you know, I, I think what they got was good. Like, it's not a bad return whatsoever. Whether or not they could have gotten something more, I don't know. But, like, I respect that, you know, one of their goals was not, like, let's bend over backwards to get into a situation that he prefers. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Danny, I can't imagine there's going to be a better offer out on the market for Kevin Durant, though. I mean, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, plus all those first-round picks like O-Town mentioned. Like, I, I can't imagine anybody could have done anything better than that. That's where yeah, I'm no, coming I, from. I like Mikhail Bridges a lot. I think that kid's got some talent, and I think he's got a future. His efficiency is off the chains. Danny, you're the stats guy. What's his true shooting percentage? I mean, you might not know uh, off the hand. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> off the top of my head, but I, I'd agree. Like, the, the Kevin Durant trade, for sure, was, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that was that was a top-tier return. I don't know. I don't think you're getting anything better than that. And, like, you know, this is a wing – or this is a league dominated by wings, and they got a number of extremely good wings. They're probably overloaded a little bit and going to have to trade them, but, like, that's a favorable position to be in. 
Yeah, I mean, really, the reason I asked was just because, uh, you know, when is the last time you remember somebody this good at a level of Kevin Durant being traded in the middle of the year? Not just like signing somewhere in the offseason or a sign and trade or something like that. You know, uh, I don't I'm struggling to even remember the last time that that happened, let alone who it was and what it turned out. with that team during the middle of the season. I mean, it's just, well, how do you value somebody as good as Kevin Durant? I mean, I guess obviously the Nets just did today, putting what they put out on the table, but it's just so weird that somebody like Rudy Gobert would get as much as he would get, and yet somehow Kevin Durant, who is what, probably a top 20 NBA player of all time without breaking a sweat right now, um, it, it's just difficult. I'm just shocked, really. I just don't know yeah. how else to describe it. Well, I think you're getting into the you're getting into the business of basketball right there, though, Jacob. Some some supply and demand, and and what people value, right? The Timberwolves were motivated to try and put a piece around Carl Anthony Towns, right? They've got to think about him and and not wasting his talent. So you know they were motivated to give up the farm, which my God, arguably the worst trade in NBA history. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus the Nets, who you got to think about this. They traded. They had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden a year ago, and and they put that team together in 2020. You know, you had COVID happen and stuff. I don't recall if, if if they assembled that pre-COVID or post, but it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, they had three generational talents, future Hall of Famers, and here they are two years later, and they just traded everybody away. Now, mind you, they did get a haul. I just pulled up, actually, the uh, that Harden trade. So Ben Simmons, sure, everybody's got opinions on Ben Simmons. But they also got two firsts in that trade, which I did not realize. So they effectively turned Harden, KD, Kyrie Irving into Ben Simmons, six first-round picks, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, I should say seven first-round picks, and then two seconds. Wow. So you know what? It's it's crazy to your point, Jacob, to have that like a, a Kyrie or a KD level guy traded midseason, which I agree I couldn't I couldn't recall the last time that happened. Um, but you know I'm not too mad I'm not too mad about their haul. Good for them. So yeah, I think I mean, the answer I think, I think Shaq spot. got traded in season. Didn't Shaq get traded one time? Was it from the Lakers to the Heat? Wasn't that in the middle of the season or was that after they lost to the Pistons? Great question. I am not sure. That felt like I I want to say it was an off season trade, but honestly, like I I couldn't speak with Damn. I couldn't speak on that with any sort of certainty. Yeah, I don't know. July fourteenth, two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah, so, so off season. I mean, this is nowhere near like the you know tier of Kevin Durant, so I don't even know if this counts. But like, like maybe Rasheed Wallace, like he was mm. a pretty significant player for the Blazers, right? When he got traded to the yes. Pistons and they made that title run. Yep. I don't know if he was an all-star, but definitely. I mean, yeah. he had to have been. No, no, he was an all-star because wasn't that the whole point? He was the only – it was like him and maybe Rip Hamilton. They only had one real all-star that year they won the title. So maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But, I mean, dude, it's Rashid Boss. Like, he, he was a baller. He was one of the best players in the league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I call out a cool stat real quick? Of yeah. Course. Or an interesting yes. one? Just because we were talking about, so a year ago, right, Nets had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden on their team. Those three players, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, 
uh, were first, second, and fourth in Nets franchise history for points per game. Wow. <laughs> Three dudes in the top four all on the team at the same time, and that team won, you know, nothing and has been blowing up in under three years. That's insane. You know, but that's also three guys who, who you know, are injury prone. Uh, Danny, I think you threw out a stat in one of our group chats not too long ago about the total number of games that KD and Kyrie played together, or it might have been Harden as well. Um, and it was it was shocking. It was something like 75 games that they played together. Over not even wow. a few, one two and a half seasons. Season. Yeah. Not even one season. That's insane. Yeah, I, I think that it was well, – right, I'm not sure about – KD and Kyrie, but I think that like either KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, like the three of them was like less than 20 games, or maybe it was like 22 or something like that, but... That's insane. Yeah, they definitely struggled to, you know, keep those guys on the floor. Anybody will want to make a move for Ben Simmons in the offseason, or is he kind of persona non grata at this point? I mean, I feel like at this point, it's kind of on him to show that he can do anything. Otherwise, Nets are just sort of stuck holding the bag. Because, like, I mean, I guess he's only really been on Philly and, and Brooklyn, but it feels like we've had so many conversations about, like, all right, maybe Ben Simmons is really going to, like, bounce back to form or something like that. You know, like, yeah. he was sitting out for back injury. He was sitting out for, you know, mental issues on the Sixers. And he gets traded to the Nets, and he's still sitting out, like, I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I read too much stuff online, but I feel like there's been like five different iterations of people convincing themselves, like, okay, Ben Simmons, he's going to get back at it now. And like at a certain, you know, after a certain point, it's just kind of like, well, maybe, but let's wait to see it before anyone else is going to invest in him. No, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think persona non grata is a very, very nice way to put it. <laughs> I wouldn't I would touch that guy with a 10 foot pole, man. His psyche was broken after that series, and yeah. as a result, he, I mean, much to basically what Danny said, unless he's willing to prove it on the court, his value is pretty much nothing. Yep. Do you think the Nets lose themselves out of the playoffs at this point? I actually don't. I, I think that they've got a lot of young talent. Um, I mean, Cam Johnson with three 40-plus games out of nowhere. I didn't even know who Cam Cam Thomas was. I don't even know if that's his full name. I might be saying it right. I don't even know who this guy is. Three 40-point <laughs> games. You had Mikhail Bridges. You got Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, they they might be able to sneak in. What do they have, 26, 27 games left? Something like that, right? Yeah. They're sitting in fourth place, which, as Kyrie mentioned, was, you know, their top priority to be fourth at this point in the season. <laughs> and I'm I'm watching them right now. Um, they're up nine on Chicago with nine minutes in the third, and like that's a Chicago team that's healthy and pretty decent. Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Vucevic, like that's a good squad. And these brand new guys who've never played together are. Uh, Yeah, hold their own. It sounds like. Yeah, Claxton is a a great piece for sure. I mean, that's the thing is like even after trading these guys, like they still had good players in their team. Like they still had guys that would start for any other team. Actually, Claxton is in the Defensive Player of the Year race, right? Like he's he's up there, isn't he? Yeah, I think it's between him, Triple J, and Brook Lopez. 
And he's, I mean, he's pretty <laughs> young. Is he, is he on a rookie contract? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought he may have signed uh, another one. I thought he got off his rookie one. Okay. But, you know, either way, for where he's at in his career, to be, you know, spoken of as, as one of the front runners for Defense Player of the Year, like, that's a pretty huge achievement. And that's a great piece for the Nets to, to have, you know, after blowing up their team of stars. A hundred percent. What do you guys think about uh, your hometown Pistons? I was really surprised. I was expecting Bogdanovich to get moved, and uh, they went out and got another center, one that uh, has pretty much proven that he's not worth shit so far. Yeah, I've been better all day about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bl- bless Aviva, because she puts up with, you know, a lot of basketball talk that she has no no, no basis to be paying attention to. But, like, today <laughs> has been a rough one for her, because I have, I have had some thoughts on, on the Pistons move, and, and none of them are very good. So, Danny, I'm going to go ahead and toss something out. What are you going to toss out? This is the sense. This is the sense that I can make out of it. Troy Weaver is like playing 3D chess. All right. I'm just convinced that he's always got an ace up his sleeve, some sort of plan he's concocting. And hear me out on this, Danny. I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been working with this. It's not like a mantra, but this mentality that all behavior makes perfect sense. So while I was initially livid, I, I took a breath and I was like, all right, all behavior makes perfect sense. What's this guy's got something. He's thinking something. He's on that next level that I don't, I don't get. Now hear me out. What about this? What if he, what yeah. if he's banking on more of a, a number two, number three pick next year? Cause obviously in the lottery, nothing's guaranteed. Um, so he's, mm-hmm. he's banking on missing on Wemby, but if you get Wemby sweet, that's a better problem to have. Um, but I, I feel like he's anticipating a Scoot Henderson type acquisition and miss it out on Wemby. And so he's over here trying to he's trying to think on that. Let me get my James Wiseman. Let's see if we can slide him in at the four, which obviously doesn't improve our shooting. But um, anyway, that was the best I could get was Jalen Duran at the five, (laughs) James Wiseman at the four, Cade point forward, and then you got Jaden Ivey and Scoot Henderson. No, the tallest lineup ever. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so, all right, like, I'll, I'll, I should probably, you know, throw out the disclaimer, like, the majority of my impression of James Wiseman is not from, like, being a huge James Wiseman fan who followed him in high school, who was aware of what he could do, you know, when he got, when he signed with Memphis, who had any sort of expectations for him when he went second overall in the draft. And most of it is just kind of colored by, like, the online reaction to the second overall pick, who, like, doesn't seem to be able to crack rotation on a team that, like, doesn't really have a very good center uh, and even went so far as to go down to the G League where I, I feel like he did okay in the G League during his stretch there, but maybe not in like, a, oh, this guy's definitely like a bona fide NBA player kind of way. Just like, yeah, he's pretty good for the G League. So I, I don't know him on like a very intimate level or anything. I guess like my problem is it's it's not so much that I have an issue with getting another center or just getting another, another seven-footer in general if, you know, we think that maybe he'll be able to slide over that four spot or anything like that. It's more just kind of like it was bad asset management. Like that didn't need to be Bay, you know. Like James Wiseman was making over ten million for the Warriors. He was going to cost them an enormous amount in the luxury tax. Like they wanted to get rid of him as a salary dump, essentially. 
And so to take, you know, one of your, one of your, you know, first three draftees, one of you, presumably one of your core, you know, part of your young core, uh, and to ship them out, you know, to just bring in this other guy who the team was trying to get rid of. Like, not like they were hesitant about moving him whatsoever. Like they wanted to get off that money. They weren't going to play him. He wasn't working out for them. And they, they wanted to not be paying, you know, a ridiculous tax bill just because they had one prospect at the end of their, at the end of their 15 man rotation. Um, and so, like, I, I guess that's just, that's, that's the majority of my issue with it. It's just that it, it seems like, all right, if you want James Wiseman, go get James Wiseman, fine. But like, there's gotta be easier ways of doing that. Like, you can't tell me that they couldn't have just like traded five seconds themselves for James Wiseman. Maybe there's salary issues with that or something. I don't know. But like, for the Warriors, it seemed like they were content just to get Gary Payton back and like have that guy in sort of their 15th spot. And, I just don't feel like Pistons needed to, to give up a young piece in order to, to, to get Wiseman off of them. I don't think that was the most eloquent point I've ever made, but that's the general thesis. Just to add on to it, you had Bogdanovich sitting right there, which you could have, in my opinion, probably gotten a pretty decent asset for from any of those big-time contenders. I guarantee that yep. there was an offer out there that involved the first-round pick, and if the Pistons, I just don't understand why that, would be less appealing than James Wiseman, who, to Sam's point, really hasn't shown much of anything. Uh, certainly not worth $10 million. Um, I just really am with you. I really didn't understand that line of thinking. But I will say, O-Town, I, did, uh, I could see that. It's just from my perspective, when you have Bogdanovich, it's like I don't – I would rather give him up and keep someone like Sadiq Bey, who – at least there's a possibility for some improvement. Like Bogdanovich is exactly what you're going to get out of him. The Pistons weren't going to contend for a title next year, no matter who they drafted anyway. So it's not of how the team was expected to do. Um, that's how I was looking at it. But. Yep. I hear you. And again, like I'm not pleased with it. I think it's stupid. I'm just reserving hope that Troy Reavers, he has a plan and he sees something I can't. Because, again, I'm I'm through the roof disappointed with the move. Let me be very clear with that. Well, and it's definitely I mean, got to be something that nobody else sees. Because, I mean, Jalen Durant, he, like, he showed he's really good. I mean, I, I, he's, he's, so he's, he's, he's shown, in my opinion, that he is – a physical specimen at 19 that can compete, which is basically the floor. So if your floor is nine and nine with a block, like you're going to be playing in the end, you're going to be making money. You're going to be contributing. And the kid's 19. So once you teach this, this guy, give him some post moves, you get him just a little bit more feel with the, Oh my God. I mean, the sky's the limit. I really love the KG Dwight Howard type comps. And obviously that's, that's tremendously, um, hopeful and optimistic but uh yeah i love love jalen duran and yeah i don't get i don't get the wiseman thing i don't know anything about him either um i know that he averaged almost a, uh what was it like 11 and 11 and 6 or something like that his rookie year before getting uh, the knee injury um you know it's, it's not bad 11 and 6 but that was you know two years ago and he hasn't done anything since so we'll see but yeah i'm, I'm i am yeah. also pissed though equally pissed I'm, I'm with you guys. Like, I do hope there's a plan, right? Like, I, I hope that, you know, some version of this fits into, like, a cohesive 
vision for the roster that that Weaver has. But I also think it's possible that this is just, I mean, for lack of a different term, let's just call it a Weaver move. I don't know. I mean, Sam and Jake, yeah. you guys might not be aware of this, but but Otan, you, you probably heard uh, that that quote by Weaver where he said something like, "You know, when I go to the pool, I don't dip my toe in. I jump in like head first. When I run <laughs> on a roller coaster, I sit in the front seat with my hands up." And then he finished it off with what has got to be like just the best bar by any GM ever. He said, "My clip is always always empty." And yes. Like, <laughs> You know, sometimes that's great. Like Jalen Duran is a clip is always empty kind of acquisition where he was yes. like, all right, like, let me just work with what I got and see if I can jump into this, you know, into these, into these team picks and, and snag the guy that I was considering taking at five. Uh, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay were also like those types of gifts and stuff like that. But there's a flip side of that where it's just like, all right, like when you go after every possible, you know, like piece of potential that's out there, some of them aren't going to pan out. You got your Saban Lees, you got your Luca Garzas, and in this case, you got. Well, I don't. I mean, maybe it's a little early to say it's not going to pan out, but like that's what that's what Wiseman seems like to me. It's just kind of like, a, yeah, happen. Why not? Let's get this guy who's got tons of intangibles, who you know has sucked in terms of basketball production, but like maybe we'll change him. And you know, if that's his logic, fine, because that's the logic that gets us some of the guys that we love, but at the same time, you know, it, it comes with headaches, too, and I don't know. For me, at least right now, this feels like one of the headache moves, more so than, like, one of the brilliant, like, got them for cheap, and they're going to be, you know, a, a boom boom kind of candidate. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, to your point, the best outcome is, what, he was the second overall pick, and so then he becomes a multi-time all-star, all-NBA center, but... uh and, you know, he definitely hasn't gotten the opportunity he's needed. Um, but besides them taking back Wiseman, I was just so – like, I didn't even realize they were trying to shop Sadiq Bay. Was that on your guys' radar at all? It was It was mentioned a little bit, you know. I mean, yeah. so there were three names, basically, that popped up in every Pistons rumor. It was Pistons have taken calls on Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Sadiq Bay. And, and Bay's been in the rumors, you know – pretty much since his rookie year, honestly. I think it was a little bit different when he was a rookie because everyone saw this guy, like, you know, scoring 16 points, shooting, like, seven threes a game and hitting them at over 40%, and they were like, oh, mm-hmm. like, let's get this very clearly good spot-up shooter. And then in year two and year three, I think it was more like, yeah, he's got some potential, but we're not, you know, 100% sold on whatever the vision is with him. But, yeah, he, he was definitely one of, like, the three most mentioned candidates, which – yep. It's maybe more testament to how desirable the rest of the members of the Pistons are than it is to <laughs> how much they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah, I did all that. that. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. So, yeah, I was just going to actually build up one. The comment you made about Bay and Stu, um, mm-hmm. the fact that those guys, from my perspective, at least their first two years in the league, um, they fit that that Detroit – grind mentality these underdogs you know they were what 13th and 17th picks of the draft something like that Sadiq Bey mm-hmm. had a 50 point game in his sophomore year like to me those guys kind of embodied Detroit a little bit and then you go and trade one of those guys who again in his third year he's, he's averaging 14 points a game come on dude and, and you trade him for a number two overall pick um you know who again was like this number one prospect in his class since he was 14. So like, it just, it doesn't, doesn't fit that, that, that mentality in my perspective. 
So. I'll have to get it knocked into him by Kate. Yeah, Cunningham. I agree. The one thing I – what was that? Oh, I was just saying he'll have to get the attitude knocked into him by by Cade Cunningham. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, honestly, like, I don't I don't know if you guys – probably not because who in the right mind would. But I don't know if you watched the last time Piston played <laughs> the, the Warriors. Um, but he was going up against against uh, Wiseman, and he was really working him. And at, at one point, he scored on him, and he gave like the two small gesture. Oh my god! <laughs> and Wiseman's got a good four inches on him. So you know, he's going to show up to practice. He's going to get kicked around a good deal, and either that'll build some culture, or you know, maybe he'll decide that basketball's not the profession he wants to pursue. <laughs> Can we retire that too small gesture from basketball games, please? Can we move on to the, whatever the next thing is already? I'm no, so I love it. I love it. It's hilarious. Says the guy who's um, six I, foot six. Yeah. I do want to throw out though, Otan, because you, you mentioned like culture aspect, right? Like we got Bay, we had Stu, you know, we've got the, these hard workers, these hustle guys and stuff like that. Apparently, culture was one of the reasons why they wanted to move on from Bay. Um, it wasn't really reported on, and, and maybe this is just, you know, a little bit of, like, editorializing in hindsight to make the, the move a little bit more appetizing. But uh, Pistons beat writer James Edwards was put out an article today saying that, like, among the reasons why they were looking to shop Bay was that other people on the team and other people on the coaching staff had started getting a little irritated with uh, the way that Bay would – just use up clock. You know, he's a bit of a ball hog. He'd get a definite tunnel vision. There was a game recently, I can't remember who we were playing, but it was, you know, like a three or four point game at the very end. Bay takes a drive to the hoop and the guy who's defending Duran underneath the basket switches on him and rather than just dishing it off to Duran for a wide open dunk, they instead like goes up for a contested layup with contact, doesn't even get it to touch the rim and falls on the floor and starts pitching at the rest. So like, you know, maybe some things that they come to, kept under wraps a little bit. Like maybe he was a guy who was. Did you guys lose him? Yeah, I was going to say I can't. It cut off. But can I make a joke real quick while we don't have him? Yeah. His comment right there, that, that drive he just described, going to the hoop, defender switches on, still tries to fight. That's some Michigan water polo shit right there. Yeah. That ain't that, not ain't that Spartan water pole. That's a Wolverine <laughs> water pole. Right uh, well, and it's funny that he was talking about that was one of the reasons, uh, like culture that the Pistons wanted to move on because that's what I was hearing, uh, was part of the reason the Nuggets wanted to move on from Bones Highland. Apparently he was just becoming yes. like a really big toxic vibe in the locker room. Yeah, that sucks. And, you know, then move on. Absolutely. And it's not like Bones Highland is a guy who's anybody's really going to miss that much. Like, he's got some potential, but the best thing about him is his freaking name. The dude's name is Bones. Yeah. (laughs) It's not worth keeping that toxicity. Hey, you made it back to him. Who'd they trade him for? Uh, The Nuggets got back uh, two second rounders. Two second rounders. Yeah. That's all. They didn't take back anybody. Just two second Got rounders. It. 
And I was kind of surprised that that was the that cheap of a price. But then, I mean, uh, that's why the Clippers also got back Eric Gordon and uh, got rid of John Wall, sent him back to the Rockets. Yeah, dude, oh, that is the funniest thing. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Oh, my God. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you guys You guys brought up the Pistons trade. Uh, we probably did that too early in the in the discussion because, you know, Danny and I then went on a tangent. But um, There's just so many trades to go through, though. John Wall, man, he's back on the Rockets. <laughs> that poor guy, man. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. I really do, though. The injuries and all that shit. Like, I wish I could, I could feel – like, I do genuinely feel bad for him. I wish I felt bad for him after his first knee injury. Um, yeah. But, man, that, that John Wall dance and stuff when he was at Kentucky, and uh, he was just – you guys know me. He was, like, all the things. I was like, I'm not, not a big fan of that, you know? Yeah. And then he went down. I was like, that sucks, guy. But, you know, you're kind of a tool. And he might not be. He might be the nicest guy in the whole world. And I feel really crappy now mm. at 34. You know what I mean? Judging this dude, I don't even know. Um, just because he was doing a dance when he was on TV. Uh, so anyways, all of that to say, I feel really bad for him. And I hope that he ends up in like Miami or somewhere where he can get some minutes and contribute to a title run. Because I think in spurts, I think he's still got some of it. Do you think they buy him out or will they sit on him like they did last time? Oh, oh so they're buying they, him out. They better buy him out. <laughs> they have to. I thought oh, they might man. just give him the ultimate middle finger and sit him on the bench again. That would be I so mean, mean. Which wouldn't be the it wouldn't that wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, think about it, man. He he's just getting paid. He's getting right? yeah. He is getting paid to sit, which I mean, obviously not ideal, but yeah, could be worse, I suppose. It could be. Um, uh, and actually, real quick tangent. I was writing some notes while you guys were riffing there with Danny. Um. And with that Wiseman deal, just real quick, Sam, you're going to enjoy this. Danny would enjoy it too, and it's a bummer he's not here, but I want to <laughs> mention it before oh, I forget. Um, so, Jay, well, I think not, Danny, you know, is, in this one league, Danny yeah. is back, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm on. Oh, dude, I think uh, Wynn might be messing with the Wi-Fi, so I'm going to use mobile, mobile internet instead. Okay. Um, so, Danny, I realize now that we have James Wiseman, right? So we have Cade Cunningham, first overall. Marvin Bagley, yeah. second overall. James Wiseman, second overall. Jaden Ivey, fourth. And next year, we're more than likely going to get a top four pick as well. I think Troy Weaver, he's like, he's like, I'm like the Troy Weaver of fantasy basketball this year. I'm just collecting all the fucking top first round draft picks. God, I hate Whether they you fit so my much. Team or not, but they don't even, you're beating me right now and you're in last place. And I have 10 first or second round picks on my roster. And I'm, I'm about to lose. Do the anyways, Oh, it's so funny to me. Your trades are always Bonos. like, let me give you five nickels for a two dollar bill. Yes, and <laughs> and um, but here's the thing though, and it it's the dynasty works, leagues. Yeah, it's dynasty yeah. leagues, man. Like Walker Kessler, that trade with D- I got De'Aaron Fox and uh, Mason Plumley. Who, goddamn, fuck that trade. Um, but uh, yeah, for for Walker Kessler, who I picked up off on waivers, and White had actually dropped. And then traded me De'Aaron Fox for him because he was tanking, right? And Walker Kessler is going to be a great keeper for the you know the next ten years. So like in retrospect, that is such a affordable cost long term. And uh, but yeah, so hopefully it brings me my first ever title in that league in what fifteen years? God damn! No, you have to have won sooner than that. 
I don't think I've won ever in that league, Danny. I've made it to the finals repeatedly. Um, I don't think I've ever won a title in that league. Damn. All right. Well, here's hoping then. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we got to talk about the Pacers, you know. Yeah, we do. back George Hill and cutting Serge Ibaka immediately after trading for him. A.K.A. doing a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, Pacers didn't really do much. Although we'll definitely take the two second rounders. Uh, any guesses between so today and yesterday? You guys want to guess how many total second round uh, picks were traded? Twenty. Ooh. How many um, unique second round picks, or how many times a second round pick was like involved in a trade? Basically, like you it know, can, so, if, so it, it's uh, like it would be like if I got second rounds and then traded them. Even though there's somebody else, it would count again. So that, you know, like okay, a three-team yeah. trade wouldn't, but if I took him in and then traded him out, that would count again. I'm actually pretty sure I know the answer to this one, so I'll, I'll abstain. So, Jacob, you said 20? Yeah, that's my guess. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, 42. Ooh, that was really close. 38. Damn, ah, I was, yeah, I was way off. Say Holy shit. I had thought that it was 52. I mean, I I will be honest. I did not Google it. I was literally listening to something uh, earlier in the car, and they said it, and I wrote it down because I was like, damn, that's wild. Um, So that that could be wrong, or it could have not been uh, updated at the time when I was listening. Okay, 42 or 52. I mean, come on, still, that's absurd. In one trade? Well, it's 38 or 52. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, though, I mean that's 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 insane, absurd. It's an insane yeah. number of picks, man. But that's because there were so many big names. You know, you got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant got moved. D'Angelo Russell's not like a big name. I mean, he is a big name, but he's not he's not Kevin Durant. But no. like, there were a bunch of people, good, talented basketball players moving. Well, and speaking of D'Lo, I actually like the moves the Lakers made. I mean, obviously the biggest thing was getting rid of Westbrook, but uh, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, um, I I feel like that's some good, decent depth for them, which they definitely didn't have. Is this a John Wall buyout team? Is this a team he might go to if he gets bought out? The Lakers? Ooh. I mean, it would be poetically funny if John Wall ended up in the Lakers and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah the I was thinking the exact same thing because that's what I saw that people were talking about Westbrook going to the Clippers. That would be so damn funny. Oh, my God. Literally yeah. just probably exchanging lockers at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, I also really like what the Lakers did, though. I, You know, any other year, I think that's the kind of move that, like, you, you can't do anything too drastic when you already have, like, your kind of two stars, at least for the Lakers, because they don't have, you know, the assets to go and get, like, a third star, like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, et cetera. So, you know, for what – for basically what their ceiling was as far as what they could trade for, I feel like they came pretty close to it. It just, you know, unfortunately happened to happen in a year where two other teams in their conference got, you know, top five players in the NBA. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, I, I agree. I really think this was going to be the best they could get. Um, and I mean, in addition, they, you know, they have Rui Hachimura now. Um, I'm not convinced Mo Bamba will do anything, but it's certainly better options than they've had in the past. 
Man, I saw that Mobama trade, and I, I mean, I'm probably just too bitter about the Wiseman thing, but I'm, I'm not sure that I wouldn't have rathered him instead of Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, I didn't, I didn't even, I, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and I didn't realize that all three of those guys they acquired are going to start. At least that is what the prediction is. Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Jared Vander- Vanderbilt, along with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Uh, they, Lakers, they, it's they, rough sailing. <laughs> I think that's wild. I mean, they they just replaced three starters. Yeah, that's crazy. And and I, I mean, I keep talking I mean, myself into. Yeah, go go ahead, Danny. My bad. I was just gonna say, kind of updated three starters as well. Like I I. I don't think I'm being controversial if I say D'Lo is better than Russell Westbrook right now. Malik Beasley is replacing who? Kendrick Nunn? That seems like <laughs> yeah. another one where it's clear upgrade. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got Jared Vanderbilt in that mix, which is like, yeah, he's not going to, you know, set the world on fire with scoring or anything like that. But that's a great defensive multi-tool for them, you know, who's going to do a lot to cover up for, like, the vets they have just not wanting to play the defense that they need to play. A hundred percent. Well, and something Jake and I talk about all the time is, like, why haven't the Lakers surrounded LeBron around better shooting? Like that's pretty much been yep. his key to success his entire career. And now they finally did it. Um, I'm really going to be interested to see what happens with AD though. Did you guys uh, see like his body language and stuff uh, the other night when LeBron broke the scoring record? No, I saw. Yeah. He was just sitting on the bench while everyone else was standing up here and he's just kind of looking up at the scoreboard. Yeah, just not really looking like excited to be there or part of anything at all. It was really interesting. I mean, can we talk about how almost every one of LeBron's teammates has made, you know, since the this last Cleveland era, the teammates that were playing with him then, especially people like Kevin Love, they describe how tough it is to play with LeBron because when the team does well, LeBron usually gets the credit. When the team doesn't do well, he doesn't really usually take that much flack. The most flack he's taking, at least recently from my perspective, is just that he's not a good GM. It has nothing to do with his play on the court, regardless of whether they win or lose. Yeah, that's a very yeah, good that's point. fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really been paying super close attention to Lakers. Like, is his play style, like, deserving of, of, of criticism? Like, is he not holding up to being LeBron in that team? Honestly, uh, no. This is one of the worst rosters I feel like he's ever played with. I mean, correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, but this team sucks. I'm not going to lie. They just haven't been good. Better now, after they made the trade. But, I mean, yeah. I would say the biggest thing is AD hasn't been healthy. That's been hurting them. Uh, and when he is healthy, you know, he put on that extra weight uh, after he had been made fun of, you know, called Mr. Glass or Courtside, whatever the TNT guys were calling him. Um and that was something Jake and I were talking about the other day is that I think it was the wrong move to add extra weight and he kind of needs to go the way Tim Duncan did. You know how like Tim Duncan got super skinny uh, the older he got in the NBA. And I think that's what he needs to do to kind of get back into the AD that we saw in the bubble. Hmm. That's a good take. Yeah, he definitely. Has not seemed to be the star that they thought they were pairing with LeBron. Yep. But same thing. They, they got a guy who. How many? How many seasons did he? Did he? Was he healthy? 
How many seasons in his entire career has he played 70 games? Uh, and we can. Let's... I'm pulling it up right now. This guy, I, he's been playing. I got to say, it's not the majority. He's played two in wow. seven seasons. Sorry, so that's yeah, is that seven, one, two, three. Uh, so yeah, seven seasons because he got traded. Either way, yeah, um, yeah, dude. So he's got two, two seasons where he played seventy-five games. You know, so and and, and they knew that going in, like the Lakers knew that going in. Uh, you know, you know what you're buying, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. But the craziest thing is, is that even if it doesn't work out, they'll still be able to flip them at some point because people will always like pay for talent. Like Kyrie Irving, like I feel mm-hmm. like is a great example. Yep. Like as soon as he started playing well again, they're like, oh yeah, you know, oh he wants out. Yep, let's do it. I mean, and even Westbrook, yeah, yeah like Westbrook looks like he wasn't like worth anything and was poisoned to the Lakers. And then now that he's bought out, you immediately have, like, Clippers, Miami Heat talking about trying to sign him. Mm-hmm. So can we go back to the Mavs trade for a second? What did mm-hmm. you guys think about that trade from the Mavericks' perspective? What did you think about what they get in Kyrie and what that looks like for the rest of their season going forward? I thought Andy, that was a first? very favorable trade for the for the Mavs. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think I think Kyrie's got he's got something to prove now. Um, I think that he's gonna he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play. Yeah, and I think worst worst case, you know, like you guys said, he's gonna play his ass off. He has something to prove. But absolutely worst case, they just don't re-sign him, and then they so, do something else in the off season. Yeah. Yeah, and you're out, what, you know, a a good rotation player in Dorian Finney-Smith, and then Journeyman and Spencer Dinwiddie, and one pick, what, five, seven years from now? Six years? Is it 2029, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think so. And as long as you have Luka, it's not going to matter anyways. Right. So, you know, I I know that there's a a little bit of discussion around, like, oh, that's the pick, you know, the year that Luka could leave or whatever, so maybe it's going to be a high pick or something like that, but... Let's say it's a top five pick. You traded two rotation players on a top five pick for like the best point guard currently in the NBA. I'm well, all right. Maybe that's Luca, but you know, the next best point guard in the NBA. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I think that any team takes that deal 10 times out of 10. Yep. Oh, uh, I you think you have the, to. How do you not take that deal? With Luca, I mean, yeah, you have to. You know, you kind of st- last year they kind of stumbled into a small form of success with the Jalen Brunson Luca Doncic combo, and this is a much better version of that. Like, this is the best version you'll ever get of that combo. I will say though, it comes in a year where the West is so deep, it's insane. Yeah, well, I mean. How how deep was it before Kevin Durant also went west and the Lakers and the Lakers made you know their move to to bolster their roster because you got Nuggets right but Nuggets didn't really do a whole lot so like Mavs adding Kyrie I feel like puts them kind of on tier with that now yeah and then past that point 
I mean, Phoenix is great now with Kevin Durant, but at the time they made the trade, like, I got to think that their logic was like, we're going to be a top two team in the West with this roster. Whether or not we finish top two, we'll see, but, you know. No, I agree undoubtedly because I'm pretty sure to your point that the day after the trade or maybe the night, like they, their odds jump to second best to win championship in Vegas. Yeah, that's pretty incredible for sure. You know, you, you make a move that instantly catapults you into that tier. Like that's, that's a win no matter what you pay. And in this situation, they didn't even pay that much. Yeah. Uh, talking big surprises, uh, just overall for the trade deadline, for me, I got to be honest, the biggest surprise was the fact that the Raptors, the only trade they did was to get Jakob Podol to try to, I guess, compete against the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers. I don't know what the Raptors are doing. I feel like they they overplayed their hand or something like that. I feel like maybe they thought they were going to get these godfather offers for Ananobi and for Fred VanVleet, and that didn't materialize. But where they're at right now is I, – I can't imagine it's where they were hoping they'd be. Yeah. Well, and it also, you know, it could be because I thought at one point I heard the Lakers maybe for FVV, and they obviously went with a much better deal. Um, and I remember like Anobi was maybe with the Suns and they actually got a much better deal. So I thought maybe part of it also was that the market that they had ran out or to your point, like, you know, after that go bear trade, maybe everybody thought that they should just get a shit ton of everything for any good player they have. Yeah, because that was the the rumors floating around is that they were basically like their benchmark for what they wanted in return for Ananobi was going to be a, an equivalent package to what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell. And yeah. Before even getting into whether or not what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell was fair, like I don't think Ananobi is as good as Donovan Mitchell. Maybe maybe that's a controversial take, but like that to me that seemed kind of out of touch with with what they had. No, I agree. It's kind of like when the Lakers were saying, like, oh, we'll trade anybody except LeBron and Taylor Horton Tucker. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so would Pascal Siakam be worth that trade package, though? Because maybe, to, they, to my point, I'm with you guys. I, I feel like they, once Kevin Durant got traded, teams were like, oh, there's no way we're paying whatever you're asking for OG Ananobi. And I bet you that's why Memphis, I, I had read something about Memphis wanting him and I didn't understand what Memphis was going to have to give up. Like Dylan Brooks and a few picks. I'd probably rather keep Dylan Brooks if I was them versus getting OG Ananobi. I just don't, he's good, but I don't, I think he would make a bigger impact or would have made a bigger impact on a team like the Lakers because they didn't really have anybody there in the first place, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh haven't fully fleshed out this thought, so this might be a pretty dumb take in coming. But, like, I feel like defense raises your floor, offense raises your ceiling. I don't know if that's a, a fair way of describing it, but, like, yeah. what I'm getting at with that is that Ananobi's main contribution is his defense. And most teams that are looking for defense are doing so because they think that's, like, the final piece that's missing to push him over the edge. Usually teams, you know, like the, the whole league is always looking for offense, but I don't feel like, like a team like the Pistons isn't going to pay a ridiculous sum just to get like an all defensive player of the year, uh, or all defense or defensive player of the year guy on their team because that's not going to do a whole lot for you because you don't have the scoring for the defense to matter that much in the first place. And yeah. I feel like the, the Raptors were pretending as though, you know, 
Ananobi's defense was just as valuable as, let's say, Kyrie Irving's offense. And I, I just feel like they were probably the only people that wanted to believe that. Yep. No, and I, I think that's a, a perfect take about how the defense raises the floor and the offense raises the ceiling. That's a great way to put it. It's a great point, too, Danny. That's exactly how all the teams are built from the ground up. Cade Cunningham wasn't drafted because of his defense. He was drafted because of his playmaking ability, and he can get to the rim, and he can score. You know, he didn't get drafted for his defense. You never start building a roster with an all-defensive guy. I seriously doubt, like, Dikembe Matumbo, when would you ever take him as the first pick in your rebuilding a team? You'd never take somebody like that first. Well, Jacob, like why, why be, do you think that is? Why because, Why is that? Because it's easier to get that person later on, and it's obviously it's easier to make up for that kind of defense than it is to find, you know, a 30-point-per-game scorer or a 28-point-per-game scorer. That's part of it. The other part of it is how many people does it take to stop the basketball from going in the hoop? Five. Five. How many people can put the basketball in the hoop? Uno. One. One at a time. One at a time. That's why. Because yeah. you can play defense. If you've got a, the correct defensive scheme, you can you can compete. But if you don't have one guy that can really put the basketball in the hoop, then you know you're going to have a tough time winning ball games, especially close ball games. And so that's why you you have to build that way. You've got to build around a guy, an offensive playmaking guy. And then, you know, unfortunately, the Wolves tried to do that with Rudy Gobert, right? Like, <laughs> But they didn't have exactly the offense that they needed to do that. That's a perfect case, a case study right there, I guess, or example, you know what I mean. And to that point, I think that's why guys like Kyrie Irving will always find a place because teams yes. will always be willing to take a swing where there's that much offensive potential. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Uh, do you guys have any more thoughts on any of the trades before we move on to talk a little playoff predictions and uh, awards for the year? The only other thing I want to shout out is I thought that Blazers trade of Josh Hart to New York was – I mean, honestly, the Blazers' whole deadline was extremely, like, weird to me. Yeah. You know, like I, I, they gave up Josh Hart. They got Cam Reddish, who, you know, at this point is – seems like a hot potato kind of figure where it's just like nobody really wants to hold on to him, but people will like begrudgingly take him and trade. And then what, Archie Diacono and some other, you know, kind of fringe fringe roster player. Yeah, Sveeb. Yeah, oh that's right. Matisse Tyler, yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then they sent him to Charlotte, I think. Yeah. Um yeah, but I don't know. Like the, I don't. I guess I just don't really get what the Blazers are doing, and maybe they don't either. And they're just kind of like, well, we don't want to totally mortgage the future, but we're also not going to do wrong by by Damian Lillard. But like, you know, they got Jeremy Grant. They have Damian Lillard. I think Yusuf Nurkic is a great player. Like, they're probably not going to win, but it seemed like the kind of year where they at least would make a sincere effort to be competitive. And instead, it seems like they took a couple steps back instead, which is a weird time, you know, for their current roster to do that. Yeah, and especially as we talked about in a Western Conference that's been so tightly packed the entire year, um, you know, we saw the Mavs make a big swing. I just would have figured with 
you know, how much pressure there's been around them and Dame to kind of do something for Dame that they wouldn't have taken a bigger swing, uh, you know, like get an OG and an OB. But even then, it's not that would have turned them into a title team, but certainly a lot better than what they currently did. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't know if Raptors would have gone for it, but I I mean, I know Blazers love Anthony Simmons or Simons. I'm, I'm not exactly sure which uh, that's pronounced, but, you know, if if he was the core piece in an, in an, in an, in an OB trade, I feel like the Blazers are significantly better. Like, that's a situation where I feel like that, that huge defensive player really does, like, you know, raise both their ceiling and their floor. But for whatever reason, it just seemed like they, they didn't want to take that swing, which, I don't know. I mean, maybe they have some plans, but that seems kind of this, – this feels like the year for it, I guess. Yeah. O-Town, Jake, do you guys have any last thoughts on the trade deadline? I do not. Other than you know, again, James Wiseman, let's go, bud. I'm 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 believing that Troy's got a plan, man. I'm I'm, I'm being optimistic. Show me something, James. Ordering the jersey as soon as it hits the stores. I'm not going that far, Sam. Honestly, Sam, it it'll kind of I think lead into our next segment segment a little bit, but. I have to say, Jay Crowder to the Bucks is a is, in my opinion, a way bigger deal for uh, I think some people are taking for granted. I understand he hasn't played in a while, but I think the Bucks are the best team in the East, especially since now Jalen Brown's going to be out for a while. They've got one of the best home records in the NBA, if not the best. They're twenty three and five. I mean, talk about a home court advantage, a playoff experience team, getting somebody like Jay Crowder who also has finals experience. I, know, I, I think that's a good deal. That's exactly the kind of player they need um, if they're going to try and win the title this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those moves where it's like, all right, this happens in the offseason. Probably don't care at all because what's Jay Crowder really going to do for like your season-long win total for the most part? But you know, having him waiting in the wings once you get to the playoffs and you got this, like, real strong defender who can take some spot-up threes, hit him at a big clip, like, that's going to be a, a real nice piece for them when it comes to the playoffs. I just prefer what he does over Grayson Allen, personally. I'll take him and whatever else they can cobble together, uh, at least, you know, in round two, round three. Playoffs are a long, long, a long haul. You know, it's not easy to win. That's why it's only one team does it every year. But... Well, and I feel like they'll have to get a guard or something during the buyout because isn't it, like, speaking of Grayson Allen, like, isn't it just him and Jay Rue? Like, who else do they have at guard now that they got rid of George Hill? That's a great question, and give me one second um, to get back to it. I got it in front of me. Yeah. But, Wait I mean, just like Jake was saying, they're still my favorite pick to go to the finals from the East. Even if they don't aren't able to add like a decent point guard from the buyout, who? Who you got? Who do you guys think will make it out of the East? I like Bucks for sure. Um, I mean, it's 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 tough to. It's tough for me to not envision Giannis dominating, you know, just because it seems like that's what he does with such ease. I like the Celtics a lot, but I feel like they needed to do more than just get Mike Muscala this deadline. 
Um, <laughs> Mike Muscala. I, as a rule, hate the Sixers, but I feel like, you know, they're obviously in the mix as well. But, yeah, I, I'd say Celtics or Bucks are, are my picks. Probably leaning Bucks, especially with Jalen Brown's injury. Yeah. And also the rumors of, like, a Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant trade. Like, you know, they, they've had that pairing for a while. They haven't won with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. I think they've had one final appearance with the two of them. But, like, Jalen Brown's name has been in that trade mill a couple different times. Like, I'm, I'm wondering how uh, – how committed he'll be towards getting an extension with Boston specifically versus maybe checking out if he can be a number one option somewhere else. Yeah, that's a very good point. I didn't think about that. He's definitely not as bad as Miles Turner and John Collins, but to your point, I feel like it's been over a year that he's been mentioning those KD rumors. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it's hard to leave the Sixers out of it, but at the same time, I just feel like – I just can't trust Harden uh, to show up or Embiid to stay healthy. And so that's why, like, to me, they're kind of a distant third, even though they really do have the talent to be right there competitively. Yeah, I agree, especially for where Harden's at in his career. I mean, he's he's never really been someone that – obviously, he gets locked in an offense. But, you know, when playoffs come around, like, rush ball the whistle a lot, you start seeing a lot more physical D. And, like, I'm thinking about – God, it might have been the bubble, but was it OKC versus the Rockets where, like, Lou Dort was just dicking on Harden every single game? Like, he was just locking him down and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're having that happen to you from Lou Dort. You're probably going to have a much harder time when it comes to, you know, Jalen Brown or when it comes to uh, Drew Holiday, you know, putting the clamps on. Like, they're I, – I don't like the Sixers just in general, but also I think that they're kind of set up to have a bit of a playoff left. Yep. What was the word on the Bucks guard situation, though? Oh, yeah. Um, so the Bucks have Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, with Chris Middleton, Joe Ingles at the uh, small forward position. And then Jay Crowder backing up Giannis. Yeah. All right. Brooke I mean, Lopez you guys like Bobby Portis at center. Giannis handles the ball a good amount, I feel like. So, you know, if you're putting Pat Connaughton at the point guard spot, you can rely on him to pretty much just play defense, it seems like. Yeah, and you take the spot up open three. Yeah. But um, that the other said, team that I, you know, I do like be... if they can if... – sorry, Danny, you finish. You finish that thought. I was going to change it up. I was just going to say, that said, maybe they should be calling up John Wall and Russell Westbrook, seeing if they can get in the mix there. Not a bad idea. Yeah. That's really not a bad idea, actually. And that could have been their plan all along. Um, But the other team, if they can stay healthy, I kind of like out of the East is Miami. Really? Um, Yeah, dude. I mean, I think if they they are, they are uh, injury prone and a little bit on the older side in the backcourt. But if Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Harrow can stay on the court, I don't mind that group. And I think in a four-game series that they've got a shot against any of those teams in the East. They, they're the my, who, who, yeah. You go, hit me. My only issue with the with the Heat, they don't really have anyone in the center after uh, after Bam, right? They do not. And even him, I mean, he's six eight. Like they don't have a whole lot of size, do they? They do no. not. No, they just got rid of Deadman. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> they have they have Caleb Martin listed as their starting power forward here. Oh wow, wow. that's rough. Yeah, because yeah, we're talking about what you want to see. <laughs> it's not what you want to see, but when you got Kyle Lowry, Tyler Harrow, and Jimmy Butler with Bam Adebayo on the pick and roll going to the basket, you don't really need somebody doing too much at the four. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yes, they yeah, do have a glaring sure. hole. They do have a final yeah, appearance I... under their belt, too. They do. They've got some of that experience. So I'm saying in a four-game um, series, we're not talking about – I'm not talking about who's going to win the East. I'm saying who's going to make it through to represent the East, and I think that that group in a four-game series um, could put up a fight against pretty much any of those squads. That's it. Not my pick, but I'm saying they could. we could see them. Yeah. Especially so who would be Duncan Robinson that. ever makes a resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Michigan. I do like the Heat, though. I like the way the Heat is. Sorry. You excuse know? me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm always down for Heat culture and the way they play. Um, and, yeah, I mean, to your point, oh, I, I definitely – they they have the ability to. I would just be really shocked if anybody is if it's not the Bucks and Celtics in the Eastern Finals. I will be really surprised. It would be, Same. it would be, uh, Miami taking out Boston because I don't think they could. They cannot beat no. They cannot defend Milwaukee. I think yeah. they match up all right against Boston. Yeah, yeah especially with Rob Williams' health issues. Exactly. But then you got yeah. Juggernaut Mike, Mike Muscala in the wings, you know? Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what, what's your answer there? You know, it's, it's a tough, tough nut to crack. Lest we forget about <laughs> Mike Muscala. <laughs> uh, on the West, though, definitely way more wide open, especially after all the recent moves. Um Originally, when it first went down, I was like, oh, yeah, Mavs definitely should get the Western Conference Finals. But now I kind of feel like it's going to be a Nuggets or Suns thing. Um, what are you guys thinking? Nuggets and Suns definitely feel like the easy answer. You know, because what? Nuggets are sitting first in the league by a pretty healthy margin at this moment, right? Yes, yeah, I'm uh, asking you guys to look up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. <clears throat> and then Suns. Obviously, you know, they haven't been living up to, you know, last year's best record so much this year, but you add KD to that team. Like, I'm not, I'm not doubting they can make it to the finals, but I don't know. I, I, I really like the formula the Mavs have going on with Luka and Kyrie. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys probably saw this, but Luka leads the league in first quarter points scored and Kyrie leads it in fourth quarter points scored. Yeah, buddy. Um, that, that's a pretty cool dynamic to have going into the playoffs and especially with, uh, Kyrie just kind of seeming like he's he's a little bit pissed off about the general narrative around him. I assume that he's going to try and bring it as hard as he can this year. So I, I wouldn't count him out. I mean, it's easy to say Nugs and, and Celtics, or sorry, Nugs and Suns, but I would not be blown away if it was Mavs and Suns. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you because to your point, I mean, last year is when the Mavs did the best with Luka in the playoffs, and that's when Jalen Brunson took a leap and the whole team like really stepped it on stepped it up on defense um kind of like what we were talking about earlier how that raises your floor i think that's going to be the biggest thing for them 
is how well they're able to raise their defensive floor. Um, Cause I think that's what they're really going to need to match up against these other teams. I mean, at this point, Josh, Josh Green is kind of like the main defensive player on that team, right? Like after Dorian Finney-Smith gets traded, isn't Josh Green kind of like the, the sole guy who's like, yeah, we can rely on him to, to play a little bit of D. Yeah. yeah which means the Mavs have no, have no defense. The Mavs yeah. have no defense now. They can't, they can't play defense. Dwight and they resigned Christian Wood for some reason. <laughs> Dwight Powell. <laughs> Dwight Powell. Christian Wood. Yeah, man. Let's go. Uh, I am not a fan of Christian Wood. Uh, I think he's uh, – that's cool that he can do a lot of ISO <laughs> offensive stuff, but when you're that big, I mean, I, I'm i not as bad as Shaq, but I definitely lean towards like, hey, man, you know, you got to block and get rebounds. Christian Wood is honestly a really, like, just fascinating case of a guy who has been putting up, like, Pretty good stats for a long while, but like no team seems to want to put up with. Yes. Says a lot about Christian Wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah Is he just a different version of Chris Daps Porzingis? Yeah, but not not Chris Daps Porzingis, though. He's not Chris Daps Porzingis. (laughs) Not as good. Yeah, see, and that's the point. Yeah. Um, And also, real quick on the Suns, they also were without Devin Booker for almost two months. So for them to be, yeah, so they're, they're sitting in a pretty decent position, all things considered fifth in the West right now. Uh, I mean, what is that? Only four games out of second, four games behind Memphis without Devin Booker for two months. And they just got KD like that, but you know, that's a good squad. Now, obviously they swapped out Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, who, you know, are also pieces that were contributing to that, but you're replacing with KD. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and especially once he comes back healthy after the All-Star break, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of run they can go on to finish the season. Game on, baby. Man, uh, you know who the biggest loser this trade deadline was? Who? The Kings. <laughs> they finally get yeah. things going right. They finally have a good team. They're finally, you know, doing well in the Western Conference standings. <laughs> Literally every other team around them, it seems like, just gets some <laughs> massive addition that's going to completely, like, skyrocket them. You know, maybe that was their approach. Maybe that was the plan. Like, hey, all these guys are shaking it up. We, we, we like what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to stay the course. But, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with it. <laughs> you see if it works out. Kessler Edwards and some cash is going to be the thing that they needed to make it to the finals. (laughs) (laughs) That's not it. it. But I do like the Kings. That's a good story. And I like Sabonis. I like the Arian Fox. That's it. That's a good story. But um, yeah, I might as well get this on the pod now, but I want to point out that when I first saw Sabonis and Turner play, I told Sabonis would have the better career and he did not believe me. And I just want to take my public victory. <laughs> there we go. Called Sabonis <laughs> right away. I knew it was going to happen. I watched him play basketball. I love watching him play basketball, by the way. He's amazing. The way he plays basketball is just so smart. It's not quite on the level of Jokic, in my opinion, but it's very meticulous, and he knows exactly where the ball needs to go at just the right time. And it's so weird to see a big person 
do that on such a consistent basis. That's why it's so um, you know, that's why I personally enjoy watching it. But yeah, um, to your guys' point, I don't. I, if it's not Dallas and Phoenix, then it's Denver and Phoenix. But a healthy Phoenix team should easily make up that four-game difference you were talking about, O-Town. And I'm also with you, Danny. I personally think that uh, the Kyrie Luka thing is uh, – I think that makes – it just makes so much sense to me on paper. Luka can already beat teams. I mean, they're fourth in the West right now, and they had Luka and a bunch of spare parts, you know. Now they have Kyrie. Yeah. It's not like they were playing amazing defense before then either. I mean, as good as Dorian Finney-Smith is, you know, he wasn't – he was as he's not – he doesn't change the game. We just had this whole conversation about points. He doesn't change the game the same way that Kyrie does for them, you know. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you, you trade away one guy who's, you know, a, a defensive multi-tool. How much worse can you really get, you know? And but that's also the crazy thing about the West is that we also didn't even mention the Golden State Warriors that could always end oh, up yeah. making a run. The Grizzlies could end up being dangerous in the playoffs if Jaron Jackson learns how not to file out of games. Um I mean the Pelicans, if Zion comes back healthy, like the Pelicans could make some noise. Um, and even like we talked about, the Lakers made some moves. Like if the Lakers make it, just like O'Town yeah. said, Miami could win four games. Yes. The Lakers can win four out of seven. It may not be pretty, but they have LeBron James who knows how to win above all else. Do you think he's got one more in him, Sam? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if everything, if all the stars align correctly, sure, you know. Um, as Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. But I think that is very, 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 very uh, low shot that he wins another championship. I like That's the Lakers point. as a second-round team. I don't know if i put them all the way into, like, the conference finals or finals, but I think they'll surprise people, and I think they'll make it to the second round. Yeah. I can support that. Uh, real yeah. quick, circle back to Sabonis. I'm going to sing some, some praise on him, too, real quick, Jacob. This man is averaging – 18 points, 12 rebounds, and seven assists this year on 60% from the field. So, sure, he's not Sabonis' triple-double, but, like, that's a hell of a stat line. Yeah. yeah I actually, I haven't really thought of it from that angle, but I like Jokic as, the, as a cop there. I mean, like, yeah, he's, he's not two-time MVP Nikola Jokic, but he – he does have like a, a comparable style of play, you know, like he's not the most athletic guy, but he's quick and he's incredibly freaking sound, you know, like he just doesn't make mistakes. And that's pretty, that's huge. Yeah. Yep. And well, Sam, it's... we can't put, we can't put Memphis in there yet. I don't think because they haven't done it. Sure. They're, they're talented, but they're young and they haven't stayed healthy. Um, John Morant or, or Jaron Jackson, you know? So like, I, I just, I'm I'm not writing them. I'm, I don't think they can beat any of these teams in the West. I honestly I don't see them necessarily getting out of the first round. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a very good I, point. They've got to prove it. Show me. Like I I don't even see them beating the Kings. Truthfully, um, I I just feel like the Darian Fox and and Demontis Sabonis. I think that is just a more calm, collected, uh, meticulous team. And and so you know we'll see how it plays out, but. That's what. That's yeah. why I'm not talking about Memphis. 
I well, mean, to, to your, your point. One... Go ahead, Sam. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, you know, to O-Town's point, I think when it comes to the playoffs, you know, that age does matter and the maturity level because very few times, I mean, what, the OKC trio is probably really the only super young team I can think of that made like a deep run. Usually they have to go get some wounds, lick the wounds in the off season, and then come back after they've had some experience. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly why Michigan yeah, think... never beat us in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely seems like Memphis needs some uh a little bit more experience before, you know, they can like I'm sure they'll have in the next couple of years, like a, an impressive run, if not this year, but I think that they, they're going to have to get close and, and lose at least one more time, you know, before they really have a clear picture of what it'll take to, to get to the promised land. Yeah. Um, who do you guys think is going to end up taking home the MVP this year? Do you think Jokic is going to be three time in it? Jake was saying the other day that, well, Jake was saying that Jake made a very good point that he kind of put Embiid over Jokic after Embiid kind of, uh, too small to Jokic the other night in their matchup or the other week. I guess yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just elaborate real quick, but Joel Embiid averaging 33.3 points a game. And he absolutely dominated Jokic when they played against each other. If the Sixers are a top, two seed, I could easily see him winning. As good as Jokic is, we all know how it works with the MVP situation. You know, you could have voted LeBron MVP how many different times in the last 10 years, and it wouldn't have been a wrong pick. It's just people get tired of voting for the same guy every time. And I personally think when you watch them play each other and you watch him be just absolutely, I mean, he put it on his head the entire game. As good as Jokic is, watching Embiid do that, it's just hard to watch that and be like, okay, yeah, Jokic is the most valuable player. Yes, he probably is, but, I mean, that I, that I'm personally just picking Embiid. I, I think uh, unless I see something crazy, crazier from Jokic, it, it would just be tough not to pick Embiid for how well he's playing this year. Can I, I, can I toss out a thought real quick here? Uh, this is a, this is a podcast idea. This is a for the pod idea. Um, can we do a hottest, like crazy, uh, pick for MVP? Right? Let's, like let's a total ridiculous pick for MVP. Can we do that at the end? Can we have like a legit, finish the legitimate conversation and then circle back for a ridiculous pick? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. So, all right, Danny, keep going. Sorry for the interjection. Uh, well, I was going to elaborate on my pick, so I'll just say that for the end. <laughs> you want to go right into the crazy picks? I mean, because it sounds like, oh, Danny and I both think Jokic will actually get it, and Jake is the one uh, dissenter. Yeah, are you guys saying my Embiid pick is crazy? No. I'm actually I think waiting with Jake Okay. I, I I mean, he makes a compelling point. I like Jokic. I think that he could earn it, and it wouldn't be, like, misplaced or anything like that. But I, I think that he's kind of on the money. Like, people like variety. And I think that a lot of the people voting for MVP will will be a little motivated to try and make a case in their mind why, like, this should be – because this would be in first, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be his first MVP. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think that that narrative is gonna is gonna sway some people to to vote for Embiid. You, you know, because it could be a fifty fifty situation, right? Where people are just like, oh, like they're both equally deserving, and in that scenario, they're gonna lead Embiid just because it's a more compelling narrative. Um, so I, I might have said Jokic before Jake made that point, but I, I think that's that's pretty good reasoning. May I may I make the my my argument for uh, Jokic? Of course. Yeah. That, my my opposing argument to that thought. Let's hear James it. Harden. James <laughs> Harden. My dude is playing with James Harden. Like, you have to also scheme defensively for James Harden. Well, Embiid, who is an incredibly dominant, absolute MVP worthy gentleman. If he wins it, I would applaud him. I'm just saying, Jokic's got Jamal Murray. He got Michael Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) Like that's who Jokic is playing with, and he's got hands down the best record um, in the West. Is that even in the league? So that that, that's all I'm saying. I was going to point out or make some kind of half-assed argument that this is the post-fat era James Harden, but. Uh, I'm looking at Jokic's stats, <laughs> and uh, he's actually scored like the, this year is his largest percentage of field goals made that are assisted. So wow! He, wow! At, at this moment, 63% of his well, all right, 63% of his two pointers, 92% of his threes are all assisted. In th- his past, you know what? First six years of his career, it looks like. That number never got over 60 for two-pointers assisted. And three-pointers wow. have always been in the 90s, but that's not that crazy to me. Damn, that's crazy. So That's an interesting story. Yeah, he is definitely benefiting from, from playing with a, a point guard like that. Speaking of assisted threes, do you know that LeBron has assisted on the most threes of all time? That's oh, I did cool. not know that. That makes uh, sense. That goes right into my crazy hot take of MVP. It should be LeBron, man. He's 38. <laughs> he just set the all-time scoring record, 20 years in the league. Lakers would be pretty much awful without him. Um, so, yeah, if you want me to make a crazy case for somebody, that would be a hot take. I mean, that would be a, a really cool legacy vote. Um I mean, at the end of the day, most valuable player to the team. Like, he's, if you take him off that team, you know, that's what probably losing 15, if not more, wins. Like, they'd be awful if it was just AD. Yeah. He uh, is definitely making a, a sizable difference in their win, win total for sure. Yeah. What about you, Danny? Who would be- you crazy take me for MVP? I mean, at this point, I don't know how sound of an argument I can make for him, but at the start of the season, so I'm in Ohio, right? So we don't, or we might have sports betting at this point, but we didn't at the start of the season. But like, had I been able to bet in the MVP race, I think I would have put money in Jason Tatum. At this point in time, especially having, you know, fucking cracked Jalen Brown's face the other night, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not sure he's got a real compelling case, but it's just, it's been so long since we've seen you know, a, a wing that's that's elevating the team like him. Yeah, 100%. No, and I agree. I really thought going into the season it was going to be kind of between, like, him and Luka, um, besides, you know, yeah. obviously Giannis and Jokic and Embiid. Yeah. 
And that's another case where it's just it's it's kind of tough to put a value on like the defense that he plays too, because obviously he's prolific on offense. But you know, if you you start factoring defensive impact, and you know, you get some some knocks against Jokic, probably a knock against Luca as well. But Jason Tatum seems to be pretty sound on that end. But you know, because it's a it's a team effect on defense. Like how much how much credit do you give him versus having you know Rob Williams, Al Horford in the middle versus having Jalen Brown next to him, Marcus Smart guarding the point of attack, like. It's kind of tough to to isolate his impact there, but he's definitely you know an outstanding two way player. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I agree that should always give a little more juice to it because if you're looking for, I mean, the MVP to me should probably be close to the one of the best overall all around players. So to have the defense up there with the offense is huge. Yeah. Yep. Jacob, you got a crazy one. Um, I mean, crazy. I, I agree with Sam. I think if you're going to give it to somebody, give it to LeBron, man. The only other person that I would think of giving it an actual crazy take to, and it's it's not really that crazy, is just Giannis. I mean, talk about most valuable player to their team. As good as the Bucks would still be without him, I they're not contending for anything except a potential first-round playoff win. Like, that would be the absolute extent of how good their team would be if he wasn't on it. So, um, but LeBron, I mean, like Sam said, I mean, he has been the one of the best players, if not the best player for the better part of two decades. And uh, he has usually been the most valuable player on his team every single one of those times. So I, I guess LeBron would probably be my answer if I had to give one. <clears throat> No one's saying James Wiseman. That's surprising. <laughs> been waiting for. What about you, Otan? What's uh, what's your crazy one? And he muted himself. I'm muted. I'm so sorry, guys. I was screaming. Yeah. Like, Sam. <laughs> Dude, Luca. How do you not go Luca with Kyrie? If they make a run, Luca Doncic for MVP, baby. Let's go. I'd be mad at it. I think that's another great one. And he's been balling out like no other, man. He's averaging 33, like, 9 and 8. <laughs> like, let's do it, kid. He's shooting, like, 70% from the line, but, you know, whatever. He's, he's still he's still doing having a hell of a season. Yeah, and it's crazy watching him play, and it just feels like he could literally score from anywhere in the court anywhere. at any time. Yeah. Uh, did you guys – He's got the body of Paul Pierce, but the swagger of Larry Bird. There we go. <laughs> Love it. Um, by chance, uh, bring a quote for the quote zone? Uh, I did. I'm a little nervous about mine, so I want to make sure it's on the right theme. So maybe I can not go first. Totally fine. Um, and there's never any direct theme for the quote zone because – I always do movies, and Jake usually does something historical. But, yeah, it definitely is time for the Quote Zone. Quote Zone. Quote Zone. Love it. <laughs> 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 
budget is really up there if you haven't noticed <laughs> um i'll go first mine was um not hardcore unless you live hardcore and the legend of the rent was way hardcore top tier movie okay yeah i was gonna say i really hope that you, you, at least one of you guys if not all knew what it was from yeah, I think we have that on, like, a regular rotation. We watch it on, like, at least a once-a-month basis. It very could be uh, – I mean, what's the movie, if you, you want to say it, Danny? Yeah, School of Rock, one of the all-time great Jack Black films. Yes, Just yes. him and a bunch of kids teaching them to love each other, to love themselves, to love music, to be who they want to be. Just all-around phenomenal movie. It could very well be Jack Black's best movie. Yeah. There's a debate. I think I, I could agree with that one. Uh, I don't know if you guys do this, but if not, you should definitely get on it. Because Viva and I do a Jack Black Friday movie marathon every Black Friday. Love it. Yeah. Excellent use of that Friday. Great. Uh, the quote that I had. Oh, sorry. I don't want to shift the the quote circle too quick. Yeah, you're all good. All right. Uh, this is from a fantasy series that I really enjoy. Um, but this character is asked, what's the most important step a man can take? So before I tell you guys the quote, what would you say is the most important step a man can take? Uh, hmm. The first one. Right. And that's, you know, a significant part of the plot is that he goes through this book, keep like pondering this question and he keeps telling himself it's the first step. But what does that mean? And it's only at the very end when he has this internal awakening that he has this moment where he goes, the most important step a man can take. It's not the first one, is it? It's the next one. Always Ooh. the next oh, step. Oh, yeah. Thinking ahead. That's that's my get motivated quote where, you know, I'll be on runs or I'll be working on a project or something like that. Whenever you hit that wall, I'm just always repeating myself. The most important step is always next. Damn, man. That's I a great quote. Quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. I'm ready to go Mine, a brick wall now. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's powerful, Danny. Nicely done. Well yeah. done. Huge fan of that. My, Mine is not that level, but it kind of fits in a little bit. Um, I, I think you can make a tie in there. But it was Herm Edwards on a very random day on Sports <laughs> Center, And it is a quote that I don't think is documented anywhere, but I'm attributing it to you, Herm. I will never forget it. My dude gets up there, and he says, with all of that Herm Edwards passion, um, he was ripping whatever coach for making this decision. Um, because he like went in with a plan and the coach just stuck to the plan and did not audible. He just kept like running into a wall. <laughs> and, and Herm Edwards gets up there and he goes, a plan you cannot change is a dumbass plan. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, as far as like the next step with that, I think a, a very big part of that lesson is that you have to always be kind of willing and looking for opportunity to improve the plan and the path that you're on. So anyways, yeah. good time, Danny. Good quote. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Nice, nice little dovetail there. Well, thank you. Jake, does your quote tie in as well? I mean, honestly, I'm really surprised. Uh, I'm also going with a sports quote. I'll just get it off, right off the bat, Sam. So I am surprising everyone this week. Um, my quote was, if you fail to prepare, you're prepared to fail. So when I was looking for this quote, I was trying to find like a famous aquatics person, since I know that's kind of the community we all come from. And it's actually from Mark Spitz, believe it or not. Um, if you fail to prepare, you're prepared to fail. That's always spoken to me. It honestly sounds like something my dad's told me a hundred times, to be quite honest with you. But uh, I just wanted to try and find a good sports quote for this week since I knew we were going to be talking about basketball. But, I mean, it just it really does tie in with what you guys are saying. You know, you just need to be prepared for whatever the next step in your life is going to be, and you need to go at it with full force. And uh, that's the only way that you're going to get what you want, you know. 100%. Also, Mark Spitz, one of the best all-time mustaches. Oh, so jealous. Legend. Get out of town. You grow a a hell of a mustache, Jacob. Yeah. (laughs) Facts. Yeah, I'm no Todd Jones, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Better, some might even say. <laughs> um, last but not least, we got our word of the week. Word of the Woo! week. Word of the week. Um, my word of the week is uh, bamboozled, which is uh, to fool or cheat someone. And uh, Example of using it in a sentence is uh, the Jazz bamboozled the Timberwolves and the Rudy Gobert, <laughs> <laughs> which once again and then the, the worst NBA trade of all time. Like officially, it's got to be the worst trade of all time. I think when you pair it with their move that they did uh, today or this week, yes, I would agree that the whole package um, of it is 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 not good. Um, I mean, what did they end up giving up? Um, it was freaking they seven turned, picks or something. My God. Yeah, just oh, the future collectively. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is this is the, this was over the past. This is dating back though to Wiggins, the Wiggins trade. They turned Wiggins, Kaminga, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and four first round picks and a pick swap into Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, NAW, and a second round pick. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's go. (laughs) Brutal. Incompetence. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they have the highest paid GM in all of sports, too. That's just like a thing I saw online, so I'm not sure how to check that out and verify it. But, like, whatever they're paying him, they're paying him way too much for what he's doing. (laughs) It's like a really bad 2K team. Yeah, well, And I also saw this on Twitter, too, but it's like, how did you – why was anyone at the front office answering Danny Ainge's phone call that second time? Why was anybody <laughs> in the <laughs> office answering that phone call? Like, Danny Ainge, no, sorry. We we were already licking our wounds from how poorly this Rudy Gobert trade went over. And somehow the GM was like, oh, my buddy Danny Ainge is going to make me this sweetheart deal again. Like, dude, come on. <laughs> For real though, how did they? 
I mean, Minnesota, sure, but in general, how does just the league at large keep letting Danny Ainge get away with this? Because <laughs> he did to Minnesota what he did to frickin' Brooklyn. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what it was though. It's because it was Rob Palinka who called. <laughs> Danny yeah. Ainge calls Rob. He's like, "Yo, Rob, you got to make the call, bro. I can't do it again. <laughs> you know what's going on?" They got Danny Ainge on silent on the three-way call with Mean Girls. And he's in the office with his entire team. The whole front office staff is in there with champagne ready to pop, laughing their asses off. Oh, God. Oh, that's so bad. It's that scene from friggin' Wolf of Wall Street where he's telling the guy to stop on the phone and just like miming jacking off the entire time. (laughs) You are gonna be so friggin' rich. Danny, thank you. That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh, God. When you guys edit this, use that one. Well, O Town, fun fact about the Brothers and Others podcast is we don't edit. Is, is no editing involved. <laughs> we have a we'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now, now I know. You guys uh, brought a word for word of the week, or was it just me? No, I have one. It actually ties in with the Minnesota Timberwolves from an office while we're on the subject. Uh, the word is obtuse, and it means annoyingly insensitive or slow to understand. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. I was going to use a, a sentence involving Russell Westbrook since, you know, that's been a pretty easy slam dunk for a while. Uh just such a great athlete, you know, but just so obtuse in, in terms of his understanding of how he could have changed his game to fit more within a team concept and actually win. I mean, he hasn't really been a meaningful player on a contending title team since he was on the Thunder. I wouldn't say that when he played for Houston that they were really contending for a title, and they definitely weren't when he was on the Lakers either, you know, certainly, I guess on Washington too. I forgot. I almost forgot. He played for Washington for a hot minute too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just picturing uh Tim Connolly, who I Googled and is in fact a Timberwolves GM, just on his phone. Like, you know what? This has been a rough week. I'm going to just look up some random fan podcast. <laughs> 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 he just catches trades left and right. Uh, yeah, sorry to Tim. If you are, no offense, man. Yeah, you're more than welcome to come on. I mean, I'll shred you in person if you like. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we all make mistakes. It happens. At least ours aren't on display for the entire basketball exactly. world. Exactly. Exactly. I was just gonna say, yeah, I'm very thankful for that. Yep. If you do hear it, Tim Conley. Nothing but love. <laughs> Please understand. I hope you can take it in light. You're going to be getting it from a bunch of angles, man. We're definitely not the only ones, but we definitely maybe shouldn't be piling on, guy. And I understand that. Nothing but love. Give us a call. 
Uh, Danny, oh, did you guys bring a word of the week? Ooh, I did not have that one. I apologize. I uh, I just made the thought of one on the spot. I didn't make it up, but one of the guys at work this week approached me, and he said, "Yo, Drew, you've got Riz." And I was like, "All right, what's what's up?" It's um, a nightmare that, situation I, where you have to I'm, just like be grateful, <laughs> but you can't ask what it means. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> he, he absolutely so he he was like yo i just learned what this meant apparently the kids say it these days but riz means you have game so when we used to say like sam had game sam had riz from the root charisma oh. so, gentlemen encounter right. um, the term riz um say thank you you as well have much riz. I don't really know how exactly to deliver it in a uh, you know positive way, but riz. I mean, that's not a supernatural to me, so I, I just say it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I Brothers and Others podcast brought to you by Riz. Well, fellows, we wanted to thank you once again for hopping on the podcast. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again, but thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a blast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, until this next really time. Was, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, yeah, quick thank shout you. out. One guy that couldn't be here on tonight, the podcast, we'll have him on a different time. Chase Bank, a.k.a. Chase Blank. Um, we will have him on when he's uh, available, but wanted to make sure we gave him some love. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, That's it, it for now. now. Until, Until next time. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, That's it for now. now. Until, Until next time. time.